Philippians chapter number three, and I want to come back. I made mention uh, a couple weeks ago about verse number 10 um, on Thursday night about just being a, uh, a personal goal. And then if I could put five words to describe what the desire of my heart is uh, for our church uh, throughout this year, it would have to be the first five words of verse number 10, where Paul said, that I may know him. Now, as we look at these verses, and I want to look at this phrase and then share a couple things out of the verse in preparation for partaking of communion together. But as we look at this, and I want to read so you can set the, the context of Scripture, starting back in verse number four, he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. In other words, he's saying, listen, um, if we're going to boast about things and the qualities and the attributes and the abilities that we have, if I also may have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, as we look at verses 5, 6, and 7, he's given us his version of his resume. In other words, this is how I was raised. This is the education that I've had. This is the positions that I've held, and this is my character and morality as far as looking at his when he says, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. In other words, look at my life, look at the practice that I've had in religion, you're not going to find anything wrong. Blameless. Can you imagine being able to say that? Not about uh, worldly religion, or secular um, rituals, but can you imagine being able to say that in relationship to Christianity and our relationship with Christ, as far as saying in my relationship with Christ and my Christian walk, blameless. Boy, what a statement that Paul is making and being able to give his resume, his positions, his education, his character. But then he says this, and it all changes in verse number seven. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ." That's the old English way of saying it's a pile of manure to him. That's what he considers all that those things that he just listed. He said, I count it all but loss for one reason, for one purpose, and that's Christ. Verse 9, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, and then our five words, that I may know him. Speaking of Christ, there's a, a few things 
and just thoughts that I want us to think of. Really, it would just be if I was preaching an entire message on it, I would just be preaching by way of introduction for these five words before we went even further, is I would say this when he says these two words, that I. I would say, first of all, that it's a personal decision on whether we know him or not. A personal decision. I'm not talking about just for salvation, but even that comes back to a personal decision for the Lord Jesus Christ, that every one of us, now my my dad grew up in church, my dad was my pastor, my grandfather was in church, my grandfather sat right where Brother Peter is is, uh, is sitting now, not in this church, but in the church up there in, in uh, Topsom, Maine, Tabernacle Baptist Church, that's where my grandfather and grandmother sat, um, every service I can remember, that's where they sat, their ministry, we had the old uh, wooden pews that uh, were actually given from a church down in, might have been Long Island or someplace like this, but it was a big deal when our church finally got pews to be able to have, and they were vinyl, uh, three-sectioned um, padding on that and some ugly uh, beige off-white color and so you can tell, I mean, when they get old, you got to duct tape them to keep the vinyl together. I mean, just all kinds of things, old church pews. They were excited. Well, their ministry, my grandfather and grandmother, their ministry was coming in during the week and, and they would spray down the, the pews and be able to, to varnish them and, and be able to keep them clean and keep them preserved. That was their ministry. Can I say this? Just because my grandparents were in church, just because my parents were in church did not automatically mean that, okay, it's a generational thing, and I automatically have salvation because they had salvation. It's a personal decision that's made. And when Paul is speaking here, listen, he's encouraging the Philippian church, and we'll actually get to these verses in another couple Thursdays, but he's encouraging the Philippian church, you need to know the Lord and get to know him, but that I... Now, the personal decision to be able to be made, to be able to know him that every one of us are able to make. And then can I remind us of this? I'm thankful that there's a God that we can get to know. And I'll say more about that here in just a moment. But yet this personal decision that I, listen, I can't just go to heaven or live my life upon the coattails of my parents or my grandparents or my great-grandparent. Some have had generation after generation been faithful in church. That's wonderful, gives you an opportunity to be able to hear it, be able to give you an opportunity to be able to learn it for the Holy Spirit of God to be able to speak to your heart. But at some point, this front row right down here, whether they care about it right now or not, this front row is going to have to make their decision, that I, a personal decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of us have had to make a personal decision or come to that point that I may. Now, I'm thankful, and you say, you're putting a whole lot into these little words that are here, but I see here with this, uh, this word may that it is a possibility, <laughs> that it is a possibility. Do you, you know some people go their entire life worshiping and serving a God that has no influence and connection to their life whatsoever? None. 
We've been places and, and traveled uh, places around this world. They've had their false gods set up, and they've, they've had their idols. And I'll tell you what's interesting is that every offering and sacrifice that is brought to those gods, whether it be a, a little statue that's there, whether it be a tree, whether it be a little altar that's set up somewhere, at some point... Someone's going to have to take that offer and that sacrifice that's been made and they're going to have to pick it up and they're going to have to go throw it in the garbage because it wasn't received by the God. I do know of one God we read about back in, in uh, 1 Kings that there was an altar that was built and a sacrifice that was being made. He sent fire down from heaven and took care of that sacrifice. That's the God that we serve. There is a possibility. Some go through their life and they'll, they'll say something like this. They'll say, well, I know that there's a God out there. But I just don't think we can know him. I just don't think that we can have a relationship because after all, the, the God that, that I envision that's out there is too big and too holy and too concerned with everything else, and of course, the order of this universe. I mean, keeping every little planet from, from clashing into each other and every star, making sure that, that one star is not coming and blowing up the whole earth. Boy, he's so concerned with all of that stuff, he wouldn't even have a moment to be able to take care of me. Can I give us encouragement today when we start talking and reading about the God of this Bible? that there's a personal decision and there is a possibility of you knowing him. Because not only is there a possibility of you knowing him, but he already knows you. Do you ever, you ever get, I'll use this term, weirded out a little bit? When you walk up to someone and start talking to them, and they're like, yeah, I know about you. And they start telling you things about your life and you're like, I've never met you before in my life and you know about this and you know about that. And it's like, can I say God already knows you? In fact, he knows where you're at today. He knows what you're going through. Listen, God knows more about you than what you know about yourself and more than I know about myself. It is a possibility he's not a one-way God as far as in relationship. That he says, I want to know you, but don't even come close to knowing him. No, the apostle Paul saying this, that I may know him. Now, just like we had on Thursday night, if you were listening to what Brother Peter brought out about uh, the beginning of the book of John, I believe it was John chapter one, was it? That uh, about Nathaniel and when he went and found, uh, or Andrew found Nathaniel, right? I'm getting it backwards. My, my memory's what I forget with, okay? And uh, getting that, that order right. But as I was thinking about that, he was saying, listen, I want you to come see this person. Now, do you understand that the person that is available for us to be able to get to know is none other than Christ Jesus, the Lord, that's mentioned back in verse number eight? Do you understand that person is at the end of verse number eight where Paul said that I may win Christ? Do you understand that person that we have the possibility and making that personal decision to be able to know him is none other than the one who died on an old rugged cross for each and every one of us? 
And it's not just saying here's some, here's some abstract God out there in the universe, but here's the one that he knew we could not get to him. So he said, I will leave heaven and I will take upon the form of a servant, came in the image of man, walked upon the earth. Why? So that we could know him. He knows all about us, but it's not a one-way relationship. And the desire that the Apostle Paul had was saying that I may know him. Now, I already mentioned a couple weeks ago on the two things, and I'm going to preach on it again probably in either two Thursdays, maybe three, that we'll get down here to this point. But he said, I want to know the power of his resurrection. But then here's what it is when we come to the Lord's table and looking at communion. He says, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Do you understand the, the pictures and the symbols that we have today when we partake of the, the grape juice and we partake of the wafer and we understand when we look at those things, when we hold those things, when we partake of those things, that has been given to us from the Lord Jesus Christ as a symbol of the sufferings that the Lord Jesus went through for us. When we partake of that grape juice, that unfermented grape juice, because the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was pure blood. It did not see corruption. We understand that according to the scripture. It was unlike anybody that had lived before or lived since the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we partake of that, listen, the only way that his blood was spilt for us was because of the sufferings that he went through. When we look at the broken wafer, it's not just because we don't want you to have a whole piece, but it is symbolic of the body of Christ that was broken. The only way it was broken was because of the sufferings that he went through for us. And I believe as we look at this throughout this year that I may know him and specifically the fellowship of his sufferings. This is a object lesson, a physical depiction of what Christ went through. As you pour grape juice into your mouth, the Bible says his blood was poured out for us. That broken wafer, as we put it into our mouth and it separates and it breaks, understanding that his body was torn apart for each and every one of us. Fellowship of his sufferings. Now, may I say he desires, and I believe what Paul is desiring here is, he, specifically, he's not talking about communion. Because listen, there's those that, that, that use this symbol and this object lesson all around this world on a regular basis. I just heard the account this week. I'm, I'm trying to think. I can't remember who told it to me, but it was a man's first time going to church, a church at all. And he showed up there and it's where they use the, the chalice and actually have real wine in there. And he wasn't sure what was going on and what was taking place. So he said, he said, I'm going to get the back of the line, I can watch everybody else, and then I'll know what to do. So everybody lines up, he gets in the back of it, and then the priest says, and we know the Bible says that the last shall be first, and literally calls the guy from the back of the line and comes down, hands him the chalice, he's not sure what to do. He downs the whole thing standing there in front of the church. He said, I wasn't sure what to do. 
And he, he, was, he was giving that account. I said he was probably upset because you drank his leftovers for the rest of the week. And I said, I said but he, he was telling me that story. Listen, God wants us and desires in our lives to go beyond what we do here in a few minutes of just the, the physical picture of what Christ went through. He wants it more than that that we move beyond it to the true fellowship of his sufferings, understanding what Christ went through. He went through to be able to unite God and man together for true fellowship to be able to take place. And that's what his sufferings actually brought, brought to fruition for each and every one of us. And so listen, if you're here today and maybe you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, can I, can I say today, the tables, as we partake, it's not for you. He's not your Savior. Not yet. But He could be. He could be. There is a God in heaven, and let me remind us that, listen, you can know Him. Not just abstract out there in the universe somewhere. Not just saying, hey, there's some higher power, but I don't know who he is. I don't know who she is. It's amazing. The, 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 the images that people make up in their minds of who God is. I think I'll just take God's word for it because he gave us a description and, and put it down here for us. So I think I'll just go to the Bible and be able to look. Listen, there is a God and he desires to know you and wants you to know him. That's why he sent the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he died on the cross, because we have a sin problem. Every one of us do. And guess what? If you're saved and you're a child of God, guess what? You still have a sin problem. Still have a sin problem, but aren't you thankful for the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'm thankful for what he's done for us. And listen, this is for that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And I want to encourage us. Yes, we partake. We think about what Christ has done for us. But have the goal of taking it beyond just a couple elements that we look at when we take communion. But have the purpose of saying, Lord, I want to know you. How many would say, and he, he's the one that gave the testimony, so he opened the door, and uh, I'm sure if you were to ask Brother Peter and Miss Amy, they probably know everything about each other because they've been married for a year. <laughs> Do we think that's true? Miss Gloria, you're smiling. You don't think they, they probably don't. You're probably thinking they haven't even started yet. Now, listen, we, so can I say this? It never stops learning getting to know each other, enjoying the fellowship. We ought not to get tired of it. Same way with the Lord. He said, well, I've been saved for years. I know everything there is to know about Jesus. I don't think we do. If the Apostle Paul coming towards the end of his life as he's sitting in prison, <laughs> that's where he's at, right in the book of Philippians. And if he's saying, the desire of my heart that I may know him, can I say what ought to be the desire on our hearts is take it beyond these two pieces of bread and juice that we're going to partake of. Desire to take it beyond that and say, Lord, not just the symbol of your suffering, 
but the relationship with you that I may know him.